vibes. Thank you for tuning in to the Push It Forward Podcast Network. I'm your humble executive producer, Harut, and this is the Cosmic Convos Podcast. On Cosmic Convos, Brother Rod and myself gets into how to utilize sidereal astrology as a powerful organizing tool for your life. Whether you're talking about starting a family, getting married, raising children, starting a business, going into a new career, what career you need to choose, and a whole host of other topics relevant to everyone's life. All right. Make sure you check us out on Patreon where we release exclusive content to all of our patrons and you get the opportunity to directly interact with us and ask questions and even help us determine the shows that we cover on our weekly podcast. All right. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. For accurate, relevant, and thought-provoking astrological conversations in the podcast nation. The place where stars and minds align. Alright, dig that. Apologies for that, apologies for that. So yeah, you know, um, with everything, make sure, yeah, that's why I wasn't working, because you see I was hitting the thing and I was like, what happened? So yeah, make sure you like and subscribe to this channel and hit that notification bell. All right, so we got it in there this time. Appreciate that, Rock. All right. Little technical things or whatnot. But, um, you know, we're here. This is episode 16. A lot of people have been uh, all in the comments um you know requesting this show and different things and stuff like that so um we're definitely going to give it to you right now before we go into that um i do want to let you guys know check out some of the uh other content that we got going on up there man um you know start doing these reactions or whatnot so check that out some interesting things and stuff like that going on with that so definitely make sure you tune in to that and um subscribe to the other channels um subscribe to raw channel and um, hit Ra up on his website. Some people have been hitting us up on Instagram. Some people have been reaching out to you, Ra. Yeah, they've been getting at me, brother. It's working. Definitely in play. Indeed, indeed. So definitely get over with Ra. Go to Kalaparusha.com. Excellent web. Kalaparushaastrology.com. And um, definitely get up with Ra so you can get them classes, get them consultations, and, you know, the whole nine or whatnot. Or whatnot. But, um, you know, moving into today's episode, I know we kind of... We didn't take two weeks off. They were we had stuff posted, but we haven't done this show in about two weeks and stuff like that. You know, uh, just navigating everything. But um, a lot of people's been requesting this, um, especially since we did um, an episode on this particular on this gentleman. Um, you know, I think what was it last year we did this uh, episode, Ra? Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, so last year we did um, covered him and stuff like that and um you know oftentimes especially with public facing people we discover that you know um their birth data might not be as accurate 
you know, a lot of people, you know, may fudge a couple years or something like that on on their, you know, actual, you know, age or, you know, year of birth and stuff like that. So it's happened. Um, I, I think I was telling you, Rob, uh, we've seen the same thing with Master P, right? <laughs> Master mm-hmm. P got two ages. He got a rapper age and his real age, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's just a lot of conjecture when you have famous people out there that have, you know, several things going on at once, but it end up it all it it always ends up showing up at some point. Indeed, indeed. So, you know, with that, you know, we were gonna do it anyway, but even with us, you know, getting a, a more uh, accurate um actual date of time, forget about the time of birth, but the date of birth, um, you know, we definitely had to come back and do this again. So we're gonna uh cover the good brother and, you know, must much, you know, condolences to him and his family and everything like that, uh, to the brother Kevin Samuels. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, it's uh quite surprising, you know. I mean we all got a an expiration date mm-hmm. for sure, you know, but uh Rest in peace, good brother. You know, um, I hear a lot of good things. I've heard a lot of good things about him behind the scenes um, versus what we see on the screen. And mm. uh, a lot of brothers say that he was a, a, a real um, supporter for their growth and for you know their challenge, their channels such as uh, O'Shea Duke Jackson. Um, uh the other brother um can't remember his name young young light skin fella uh, uh mediocre to- uh, tutorials mediocre. and reviews mm-hmm. mtr yeah yeah mtr uh another brother that does kind of a similar kind of uh channel to kevin when he promotes you know uh dressing and you know cologne and style um and that fact he said they were pretty close as well so you know everyone that i've heard from so far um has definitely had good things to say about the brother from behind the scenes right Mm -hmm. um you know on the other side of the camera it's always a presentation it's always a persona so what you see you don't necessarily know but that's the beauty of astrology is that it gives us the ability to see inside of people's reality and go behind go beyond what we think we know and kind of understand what the person really is at heart and, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, Kevin Samuels wasn't uh, an advocate for black women. And um, I could see why. Right. I could see what the perception would be. But, you know, the chart will reveal a great deal of information with regards to how someone is with women in general. In fact, we were just covering some of those topics in, uh, in my uh, neophyte class this week about the differences in how men interact with women in their chart. And so uh, Kevin if Kevin Samuels is no exception to the rule. Uh, we can always see what the real intent is, what the real modus operandi is behind how they view and how they perceive women. And when we show you the chart today, you will see that Kevin is not a, a woman hater. It's just not, right? Um, in fact, it's the very opposite in reality. And there's an old adage, you know, 
You can always know how a man is with a woman by how he treats his mother. Right. Right. Um, you know, that's the truth, you know, nine times out of ten. In that, you know, a man's relationship with his mother, you know, will always hold to some degree uh, a bearing or a weight on how he treats women just in general. Not to say in relationships per se, but just how he views the opposite sex overall. And uh, we can always see that in a chart very effectively. Um, you know, women haters typically have very peculiar placements with certain planets. And, you know, Kevin is not one of those that I could see having those particular combinations. Does it mean that, you know, he didn't have his opinions about, you know, the opposite sex? Of course, we all do, right? Good or bad. But right. uh, I think it was very premature and falsely um, aligned judgments uh, to, you know, peg him as a woman hater. Um, in fact, it's interesting that a lot of his supporters were women. Um, and arguably so because, you know, um, his audience grew from men to women or the, well, a mixture thereof. But right. women begin to realize, you know, not do I, and I don't agree with everything Kevin Samuel says, right? I right. just don't. I mean, that's just the nature of humans that I'm going to disagree with something that may be presented as a as a postulation around his spiritual his spirituality, his religious preference, and so forth. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I view him as someone that is um, an antagonist to Africans in America. Right. And um, <clears throat> I think we just get to a point where uh, we become so polarized just because American society has polarized the black community. And, you know, when we read the really Willie Lynch letters, right, um, one of the ploys was, and I know people conject conjectures that it wasn't real or what have you, but, you know, even if it wasn't necessarily real, the, tech, the tactics that were used were witnessed, right, and observed so that whatever in hindsight was written was actually done. Um, and, you know, it's always to keep one against the other, young right. against the old, right? The lighter skin against the darker skin. Um, and, of course, men against women. And yeah, um, That's the big one. That's the, that's the one we are at now, right? With, right. You know, <laughs> It's never been a real problem in reality with regards to the black man and the black woman. Of course, we've always, men and women have always had their segues, you know, barbershop talk, right? Mm -hmm. The salon talk, right? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, different lodges, you know, you have Eastern Stars, you have Freemasons, uh, we we never necessarily were at war with one another. The War of the Roses is not something that really plagued the African-American community. But now, because we become fully immersed in this culture, fully wound up and put a battery in our battery's been put in our back, we have participated in what is not our real problem. We've always known that Big Mama and women have played a major backbone in the role of of the black community. Um, right. Rosa Parks, you know, she's one of the hit 
you know, the spear tips of the so-called civil rights movement. Notice I said so-called, right? Because um, I don't necessarily agree with that approach, but that's go check out. By, um, by the way, speaking of that, go check out um, the First We Build podcast. Did an episode, went through the whole civil rights bill. I remember uh, that. I remember went that. through the whole Excellent civil show. rights bill. Yeah, so, check, so that out, check that out, y'all. That was a great <laughs> show. Great show. Um, but... You know, we come here to this particular crossroad and that, you know, here we are where we have these kind of disparaging views of one another, um, that men are, uh, what do you call it, toxic, have toxic masculinity, um, you know, and Kevin Samuels was supposedly purportedly a, the, the uh, picture boy, right, <laughs> toxic masculinity, Um and you know, some of these things are just furthest from the truth. That he say things uh, that I perceived as a little as based on more than the materialistic side or the physical side. Yes, yes, um, but doesn't mean it's not true. Um, you know, women are to be valued in all their spectrums, uh, from their intellect to their uh, maternal side to their um, physical beauty as well. Um, well, he's, and he, their ability he was a, to bring in revenue also, right? Uh, that's not something that, you know, I grew up he, in a household where, you know, um, it wasn't, you know, bringing home the bacon and frying it up. It was, you know, a whole different conversation. And I've always respected, you know, black women from that perspective from the beginning. But being a black man, I also have to understand the other side of the equation. And um, it's healthy to have these talks. It's healthy to have these dialogues. But there's a point in which we have to realize that we are not and have not been a part of uh, this society in full bloom, you know, except for the last, you know, 30 plus years. I mean, when I say 30 plus, you have to consider the 70s was a uh, an experiment to see right. how um, what would happen when certain things began to play out. And after that, right, from the 80s on up, that's when we can really see the change in uh, our integration into this culture. So, you know, well, it's not our bag, you know. Right. Well, one, one thing you said, you talked about, like, you know, um, just kind of his disposition of, you know, uh, maybe talk about some more superficial things. But I think one thing we had to keep in mind is that he, he was an image consultant. So that, that 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 was, he was in the business of talking about what like people see your appearance what you know what I mean and stuff like that Absolutely. you know um, and then to that point about what you brought up about um, you know be able to function full bloom in this country shoot since the the seventies or whatever the interesting thing about that is that um, since that point since integration um, you know black men haven't been a prominent uh, presence in our community since integration. So right. that's that's something to keep in mind as well. Since we've been integrated into the society, black men have not been lead have been lead have not been leaders in our community. Prior to civil rights, we were. So and um, and in fact, <laughs> during that movement, we were the spirited. Yeah, we can exactly. go down the list a line of black men that were the spirited Kwame Ture. Malcolm X, Mar Marcus Garvey. Um, I mean, we we paid the iron price. We paid I mean, the iron we price were the for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, Malcolm X, 
Megar Evers, uh, Martin True. Luther King. We 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 paid the, those people died. <laughs> they got killed. They got, they took they paid the iron price for it. <laughs> so we forget very quickly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, we have an amnesia when it comes to our 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 our, um, our race, and we forget Absolutely. very things that you know. Black men have been nailed to the cross. In fact, J. Edgar Hoover and his COINTELPRO famous quote with that that there would never be a black messiah to right. arise to effectuate change in the black community and so this is not you know when we have these conversations we have to keep the context of the totality of our sojourn here in america um and that's where i did somewhat segue from um and and and, and he was right when we even talked about i mean kevin samuels was right even talking about you know, pre-60s, you know, black men and women were married. I mean, that was, unheard, you know, it's almost unheard of to not, you know, be looking for marriage and to, you know, bond with each other to create, you know, a community and a family. So, you know, this is what I'm saying is that when, since we've been integrated into the society, we have definitely been hoodwinked and, you know, um, fooled into buying into the propaganda that, you know, those that are, or had and have been a part of the society um, have had these issues. You know, the thing about it is even in a, the, co- the so-called quote-unquote civil rights movement, women's rights, right, were put right along with, right, civil rights. And so um, not to say that women's rights don't matter, that's not even the case in the least, but I'm saying that in order to try to take away the momentum and the conversation around you know, really having a change in the African-American community, that energy was siphoned off. You well, know, so this is just strategy, you know, and it's wise well, because you lose sight of what the real battle is. And I think we've really come to that full manifestation and that we have lost sight of what we really are up against as a community. Well, one thing about that is that, and I go over this in this episode or whatnot, uh, not in this episode, but on the First We Build podcast, the words black, African, African-American, Negro don't even appear in the Civil Rights Bill. <laughs> exactly. They, they don't sure even don't. appear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not at all or whatnot. And um, also, I hate to keep plugging it, but I, I mean, it's just hitting. I got is another episode where I say, are we, are we fighting the wrong fight? And I, it's this old report, man, and you might have seen this um because it, it was before i was born i think this one um probably aired in like 1985 it was a cbs report where they go in newark or whatnot and the um guy um is interviewing a bunch of uh single parents and stuff like that you know what i mean it was like 80 83 or something like that but he's mm-hmm. interviewing a, a whole room full of single mothers and this is like right at the beginning where you start seeing like you know young girls that are in high school you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Talking about, you know, they don't need a man and the young the, the the young boys out there, they you know, they this is a time period they not even really wearing condoms like that. And you talking about some man, I ain't wearing no condoms. The 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 mm-hmm. girls think you think they dirty if you wearing them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, she like, um, you know, they it's one of the girls is almost like, you know, the baby, you know, she wanna have a baby because the dude had nice legs and <laughs> all types of stuff like that. It's a wild report, but I, I definitely you, you should definitely tune into that one because 
You, I mean, it's one thing to just be in your head and just, you know, thinking you know what's going on, but you got to really study history to see, like, how do we arrive <laughs> where we're at right now? There's a lot of interesting things oh, yeah. that transpired in the past 50 years, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's why I just like to remind us that, you know, and this, this channel is for everybody. You know, we don't want to single anybody out, you know, but there's just some facts that remain to be true, regardless of whatever your um, your skin color is. These are just things that are uh, as a matter of truth. And right. so, you know, when you go back and look at history, right, we have always been in the struggle together. You know, um, and I don't want to make any women feel excluded from their participation in our struggle because in the 50s and 60s they were right alongside with us in fact every black man that you saw in the struggle for the most part had a woman right along with him didn't didn't he? right okay. yeah so there was no issue there was no complaint there was no conjecture about you know um who was doing what and who was against what if you really think about it right there has to have something been done in order to switch and bait us into believing that we were, you know, this color purple type of society where abuse is prevalent in all cultures, right? Absolutely. That's, not just, that's just not an African-American thing. You think, in fact, if that were the case, we wouldn't even have a conversation about women's suffrage if every culture was equal in regards to how their women are treated. But the one thing that we can state is African culture has always had a prominent place and a role in society and in government for the woman as far as African um, perspectives and spirituality is concerned. Um, you know, in the Yoruba, West Africa, all the way back to ancient times in Kemet, Right, women were empowered. Right. That wasn't some issue that we had. So we got to stop and think about for the last 30 years, what have we been accustomed to, to in order to ingest this idea that we are against each other and that we are at odds? This is not something that is a reality. Um, and in fact, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, you can't get any higher than your woman, but your woman can't get any higher than the man. So it goes hand in hand. Um, we just have now been accustomed to seeing um, what we call um, the welfare project, you know, the welfare system being placed in that uh, we've lost, you know, before the welfare system, we didn't have any real issues with, you know, making sure that the family was fed. Why now, since the welfare system has been in place, do we have this disparaging, um, quote-unquote, issue with black men taking care of their children? Well, right. there's a systematic process to this, right? Um, and not to say that it's the fault of anyone or any system, because we all have a choice. But at the same time, uh, there is a game at play, and you have to be wise enough to know how you're being played. So you know, um, it, it, the we we talked about it in our uh, one episode in the gender roles episode, mm -hmm. right? 
and and one thing that I've I've observed for sure, right? Because I think we we were talking about like kind of like that fourth house, tenth house axis, right? And I, I you know, there's even like a, a a crew of people out there that like criticizes the civil rights movement for being misogynistic because the women wasn't out front, right? Right. But mm-hmm. the the thing is, is that fourth house, tenth house. Are both are equally important. <laughs> you understand the home life and the outer world, the out front world, the career. They are equal. They don't happen without each other, or no, whatnot. But in the past, we understood that, and I think part of part of the problem is is that Western culture in the past fifty years, you know, um, intentionally or whatever. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how, but they've devalued the home life. They devalue the domestic life, so now the women don't value it. You understand what I'm saying? So that's why it, they it, they think the importance is being out front. But mm-hmm. if you're out front and nobody <laughs> got you back, nobody is at taking care of the home front, taking care of the children and everything like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It it, it almost doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you, you know, know? Um, you know what has happened is, and this is some things that have run concurrent. And simultaneous to one another is, you know, the post-industrial revolution. Mm. Um, you know, when you know before you had, I mean, you got to understand the context of society. We are just now getting rid of daylight savings time. Right, daylight right. savings time was instituted because of the culture that was around farming. Right, right, and you had to have enough hours in order to till and to harvest land. Well, since we've, you know, no longer in that, you know, we have farms that are now done, you know, by, you know, farming is done primarily by machines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since we've less left the factories, even right? no one works, you know, factory work is almost unheard of. I mean, you have whole cities and, you know, communities that just va- vanished overnight in Detroit and Gary, Indiana. I'm from one. Lorraine, uh, I'm from one. I'm from, from Steel City, Lorraine, Ohio. <laughs> those, that's when you could have uh, a black man or a man just period, right? I don't want to make it color bound. But you could have a man in the sit with a sixth grade to eighth grade education, go out and get a job at a factory and make a decent income and take care of his family. With you know some dignity and pride. Well, get now a since we get come, a new caddy every year, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Get a new Cadillac every year. Get the, you know, summer vacations and you know three, four kids and you know, exactly. wife exactly. stay at home. Put your kids through college, right? Right. Um, but since we've left that, and then in the intermediate sense, have adopted the nuclear family concept, which now even that is now going. Right, you don't hear about the nuclear family as much as you used to. When you look at commercials, when you look at uh, media, entertainment, right? It's still a, it's becoming a passe model, right? Mm-hmm. As far as the nuclear family, now it's a single parent family or a same sex parent family, and those dynamics switch things. In a way, and such that now the conversation about child rearing is now even to the point where, 
I mean, I hate to say it, but the state is really who rears your child. You know, it's no longer the the woman or the family as a support mechanism. I mean, when I was growing up, it was a village raised as a child. You know, right. now you can't even have the village raise the child. If you touch my child around the corner and up the street, right, you're considered, you know, an abuser or, you know, or someone that is, you know, could, could potentially be facing charges, right? So, right. you know, it's changed, right? And we come from that culture and that context, and now we're vastly uh, alien to really having an understanding of how, you know, um, real community and real family works. So right. Kevin was, a, I think, a advocate to try to get to some of those older, you know, tenants, some of those older um, ways of doing things. And because we are now in this age where you are, you know, I don't want to, you know, and I, I would never say any woman to be barefoot and pregnant. She has a right, just as I do, and any other man to pursue her dreams in whatever uh, line of profession she's adept at which makes sense but um because we are in a society that is not balanced where you have the opportunity for a woman to stay home let's say and get paid for an extended amount of uh, family leave or maternal leave um, or you know even have paternal you know and th those things are now in the conversation but it's not you know in 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 the mainstream as far as how business and corporations run things so you know we've got to re we've got to reassess and adapt to really create balance in this world and i think kevin was just one of those voices one of those individuals that really is saying hey take a look see where you are see if what you've been doing is working right look at the home look at the community i mean you know it, it it's to the point where you know um and i don't want to like i said single anybody out you know to say that it's one or the other but you know for the most part the american family is destroyed i mean you got young men both of these recent tragedies that have happened have been young men right under the age of 21. so you know the family is definitely playing a role in these type of tragedies where you know we're losing lives because we're losing the fabric of community. Well, so, I mean, you it's like, you know, I had a had an encounter with a young young man today or whatnot, you know. Um and you know, the thing is is that you can't I mean, I, I, I see all the you know, kind of um new, you know, lifestyle models. Uh, newer family models and stuff like that, but it's it's gonna fail. You understand what I'm saying? Because you know, you can't. You know, back to my encounter with the young man today. You could just number one, a new, no no father, no male leadership presence ever has been something that he's used to. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because I was I was talking to him and I corrected him on something. You know, this was I was at my day job correcting him on something, and you could just tell by his reaction that he's not used to a mm -hmm. man giving him direction. That's an estrangement. That's that's you, weird. That's out of you're out of pocket. Who are you? Right? You're right. not my daddy. You don't know me. Exactly. You know, uh, 
Uh, and that I energy in, in a young man like that, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? It's nuclear. <laughs> it's right. nuclear without 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 any guidance or direction. You understand? It's it's going jail. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, or or or, 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 or worse, or whatnot. Because you can't the male energy. You're not going to re-engineer men to be a a softer male across the general population. There are going to be men that will be softer and a little bit more, you know, have that energy. You understand what I'm saying? But overall, you're not going to re-engineer the male. <laughs> you understand to be something different. So when you have these young boys growing up in the world without fathers or anything like that, this is why you have the crime and the problems that you have in society. <laughs> because you have to, it has to be cultivated. You understand what I'm saying? That's why rights of passage, I mean, men and women had rights of passage, but the rights of passage for men was very important because you can't have, I mean, even with the school shooting situation, right? You always find a similar pattern with these, with these young, 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 you, you know, tip, a lot of them tend to be, you know, Caucasian or whatnot, but you can't have male energy unproductive, undirected, you understand what I'm saying, and unguided. You, you can't have it. That's where you have destruction in society. So, yeah. you, I mean, society's going to have to deal with this at some point because you can't, you, you just can't run a successful nation that way. You're actually going to have these mass shootings. You're going to have these, you know, young black boys running up in your house. You understand what I'm saying? You know, doing doing everything and stuff like that because there's no guidance, there's no directions, there's no presence in the um in the household or whatnot. You see, you ever see that study with the elephants, man? Out in um, I want to say it was in India or something like that, where um, a whole bunch of the male elephants got poached out of the population for that ivory, and what they noticed over the years with um only the um the um mother um elephants was around to raise the children, they saw the increase. Um, uptick in um, violent tourist attacks, tourist attacks. You know, um, they were just wow. You understand what I'm saying? Escaping out of the nature preserve, um, tearing up stuff or whatnot because there were no more. There wasn't any male elephants around to control the young ones up. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it it it's pervasive to the point where it's not even per se a quote-unquote african-american issue it's just an issue now um well with other cultures they need to realize they start with us first <laughs> okay well you're you're the they you're start the, with us first lab rat, right right you're the one that you know they can do I and mean, that's why you have the tuskegee experiment and right. god knows what other experiments to see what the ramifications and effects of certain things are on right. the human psyche and and so forth in the human body but um you know it gets to a point where you know nature abhors a vacuum right and uh it's sad to say that you know african american community and even latino or you know uh, community um have things that fill the gaps right not to say they're positive things because that's where you know the urge right to right. you know 
the desire, the drive to to uh, seek safety in numbers, right? To seek um, the ability to test one's bravado, right? The ability, the, 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 these are drives and urges in human nature, right? Where you have these drives, if these drives are not curved or guided, they become misguided, misdirected, and that energy then feeds upon itself. And that's why we have the gang cultures in, right. um, you know, in, in not only in uh, African-American, but in, like I said, in Latino community as well. Now even Asian communities, right, um, are being perplexed by gang warfare and gang life. So and this is just the fallout when you have, are adopting a uh, model where you remove you know, these structures that are in place, the ancient structures, in order to vie for ones that are quote unquote modern. And so right. you know, at some point, like you said, we're definitely gonna have to have a redirection or a reassessment of how we move as a society and as a community to be able to address these inner drives and these inner needs. But um, you know, yeah, I think we could have this conversation probably over and over. And you've done probably some excellent work as far as having those podcasts um, to really discuss what are we doing, how are we doing it, and where are we missing the mark. Um, but, you know, I think if we looked at Mr. Kevin Samuel's chart, we might be quite surprised at uh, how he is structured uh, internally to have these conversations and why he would do so, right? Um, and so let's take a look to see, you know, what we can garner from his destiny um we don't have time and you know things come out at later dates folks uh be patient right some way somehow it might manifest a, a time of birth man comes out not always but it does happen but the beautiful part about this is that we have a system right that we can use called chandra lagna right and Chandra Lagna allows us to see what this person's mentality is and how his mind is set up and his uh, emotional com com composure is constructed to say it as to whether or not he's really right, a woman hater, right? Um, if he's really, quote unquote, the master misogynist, right? as women would postulate him as and some men are even postulating him as. you know i heard too short and of all the people <laughs> the to nerd. say something <laughs> about being abusive and misogynistic towards women we too short you short audacity <laughs> short <to> say, <laughs> right that kevin samuels was someone that was on the wrong side of the fence when it came to dealing with the opposite sex. Really? Right? I Everyone knows his favorite word. We don't yeah. have to say it. Right? Now, I think I think what it is is what we're what we're really seeing people be politi politically correct nowadays. That's yeah, that's really got to try to get in where he can fit in. Like two just be music is for the like this day and age for two and and, and crazy as enough as it is really not though, 
because a lot of the music I hear with, you know, the younger generation is even I have to turn it off sometimes. It's like, oh, man, like you said what? Like I heard a song about with a young lady saying it was a young lady saying it that I'm I beat him up and I kill him and uh, just, you know, just I mean, I, I have to say just low grade. Low grade, <laughs> low grade. <right? laughs> just low grade. Just I was like, like the woman, not the man. The woman, the man was actually sounding less misogynistic than the woman in the song. Believe it or not. So it's just like, right. you know, what I mean, it's just we've gotten to that point, right, where we have <laughs> lost sight of, right, our youth have lost sight of, you know, how to, you know, conduct themselves in a manner that. Uh, would be behoove us to at least keep our compo- our sensibilities and our composure uh, in the in the um, hip hop world. But you know this is all, all right. by design anyway, right? But nonetheless, right? Let's take a look at Mr. Kevin Samuel's chart here, and um, you know he yeah, is. Folks, this is a, from the moon. I didn't hear you. No, I was saying again, folks, this is from the moon. This isn't his yeah, act this is from like his ascendant. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so um, his moon is in cancer and it's a solid cancer, right? Um, if you go back in time, uh, it's going to stay in cancer, right? If you go forward in time. So for the whole day, that 13 degrees, 20 minutes resides in cancer. So we can veritably say, with some um, confidence or with a lot of confidence that his moon is in cancer. And, um, you know, the one thing that you always look to in a chart, and I we have, I think we've even talked, we have talked about it in the previous episode where we talked about male and female uh, gender roles. The right. moon, right, is for a man, right? The relationship he has with, and of course it's the same thing for a woman, but because he doesn't have the quote unquote um, um, integral disposition or base disposition to embody the feminine energy, it is primarily the the relationship he has with women in general. Now, of all the signs that it could be placed in, it could be placed in Aries which is dominantly masculine. It could be placed in Leo. It could be placed in Sag, right? It can be placed in all those fire signs that we did, you know, a show on not too long ago, right? right? It could be placed with Mars, right? It could be placed with Rahu. It stands alone in the sign of Cancer. And not only that, it's pretty well situated in what we call the nakshatra or the asterism of Pushya, which is symbolized by what we call the teat of a cow, right? Or the cow's udder, which is the softest and most maternal aspect of the cow you can think of. So you got to consider this man's relationship with women was not what we would portray as being completely or uh, 100 in, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, uh, overly dominating, domineering, or 
condescending towards the opposite sex. In fact, it shows very well that he has a strong propensity and connection to women in general. Well, you, you saw it and, uh, you know, he did a, a little uh, live with, um, what's her name, Nicki Minaj. Um, he's done, you know, some shows with some other um, ladies out there and stuff like that. And you can see uh, Brittany Renner. You understand what I'm saying? As soon as they're in the picture. Yeah. Flips the <laughs> script. Real cool, right. calm. None of that energy. And then I say not none of it, but it's a very different energy when he deals with. I mean, I saw him interacting with a group of ladies, right? Yeah. Very well, you know, mannered. Um, exactly, right? It is a controversial placement for the moon, right? Because it's so temperamental. But it also yeah. makes him very emotional, right? As a man with, and I mean, a man with the moon in Cancer, he has a very soft, he has a, a very concerning nature, right? A very caring disposition, one that mm -hmm. wants to see, for the most part, you know, a very, um, he wants to be helpful, if you will, right? He wants right. to, you know, put others into a position where you know they get the best out of what they're doing in life so you know it's a it's a nurturing maternal side for a man so this number one shows us that you know what women in society and i'm not going to say women because like i said too short has labeled him as being you know toxic masculine toxic uh, toxically masculine right which is amazing right but he, <laughs> um, he's definitely a brother that cared. I mean, know? this is what was the song tells. Oh man, please, we can go down <laughs> the on. list, bro. You can go to tells. Uh, we can go down the list, brother, from day one, right? I met this girl. Her right. name was. <laughs> <laughs> right. Come on, yeah, short. You know, short dog, man. I mean. Soon as you turn the music on, right? Yeah, yeah, I said, you know, <laughs> that's his favorite. You know, he got a song because what's my favorite word? You know what I mean? So for him to yeah. make that statement shows, you know, he's trying to get back in where he can fit in. And I don't right. even know why because the music today is not even in. It's almost right in line with anything that he would have done in in back in the day in the first place. But you know, go figure. But I did speak of this as being a controversial placement, provided that there are other things that do not or uh, that do or don't support it. But he does have a Gaja Kasari yoga, right? He has a Gaja Kasari yoga, right? Which is Jupiter is in a Kendra from the moon. And so this also shows, right, that he had a moral compass to a degree. Not to say I agree with all of his moral per parameters, especially him blaming himself as a Christian and the agenda he would have as far as getting together with the opposite sex. But he does have a, a sense of understanding the need for, for uh, having a moralistic or at least a um, generally um, healthy um, way of dealing with each other from a, a righteous point of view so you know what they pegged him as and what his chart is clearly showing is almost the antithesis 
of what they're saying. And, you know, when you talk to people, you know, and, you know, you got to understand, let's even use someone else as an example. Um, Charleston White, right? Right. <laughs> right. Charleston White, right? He, he says it. This is a character that I've created, right? Right. This is somebody. This is somebody that I've created. That's a character, right? This is not the real me, right? So what you see on camera, and what is really behind the scenes, can be very different in the sense that it's not always what it appears. It's not always what you think or what you want to believe, because you have a certain feeling or, or have a certain perspective about someone. And so this is really the truth behind Kevin Samuels is that he really did care for his people. He cared for people in general. Um, they, everyone that I know that has talked to him, male or female, said he's a really nice guy. He's not just this belligerent, you know, quote unquote, a-hole that people portray him to be. Now, the other side of this is that we look at kind of placements from the moon to see what would be the triggers and how he would look at certain things from um, his emotional or mental perspective. And notice that second from the moon is Mars. Right. right? Now, second from the moon, right, is your values, how he feels about his values. And guess now we can kind of surmise why some of the values would come to play. It is Mars, right? And so um, being an advocate for men to a degree is where this comes from, right? Mars being in the second affecting, right? How he felt about his upbringing, right? How he felt about the context of family, right? Whenever we talk about moon, we're just saying how you feel, right? It's not in reality per se, because, but remember, you know, part of your reality is what you, your mental, your mental makeup is part of your reality. It's how you integrate with your world, right? Um, and so, can I shut the beach lane? Not necessarily, no, no. Um, not, not really in the eighth house. Uh, good question, Isaac. Uh, but no, not necessarily. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, what that eighth house is, in fact. Um, to his moon, but uh, to the second house where Mars is, right? You know, he that's why he came off in the way in his his tone. You see what I mean, right? Yeah, his tone, right? His tone was very harsh. You know, it's very direct. It's very you know to the point. And not only that, Mars in Leo is one of those also integral placements that shows the masculine side. Where he has that type of leadership quality, right? Mars and Leo produces what you call it, you know, a man's man, right? Mars and Leo energy wants to make sure that he protects the home, that he espouses the energy or fights for the energy of being someone that uh, uh, has a a kind of over um, guarding or guarding, right? His, his his family, right? So you got to consider this, right? That that's why he would come off, you know, when people feel him, you're feeling the moon and you're feeling that Mars in a second is saying, gosh, you know, why does he have to say it in that way? Or why does he have to put it that way? Well, 
that's because Mars in that Leo in the second from the moon is going to tell you, especially considering women, moon, yeah. how it is. Right? So, you know, this is a beautiful science in that we can see a lot, right, in regards to how this is set up. And, um, you know, in his early childhood, there's a possibility that he didn't have the moral, the, um, moral support from men. So you always go two ways, either a, a overcompensation or a lack thereof. And, you know, Kevin went to the side of, you know, trying to compensate for those things. So, you know, in this day and age when he could have a voice, second house, right? He could he was gonna definitely bring the fa the fact that, hey, men need to, you know, and, and let me tell you this. Now I don't know if y'all watch the shows because you know, I watched uh, fairly uh, fairly good matter. In fact, my good brother here is the one that even put me on game, right, about Kevin, right? I didn't even know who Kevin was until, you know, my good brother here mentioned him, his podcast. Uh, but uh, he, on the when it comes to men, he went even, he went in even harder. I don't know if you saw that, good brother, but he went oh, yeah, in yeah, harder yeah. on men, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, so don't think that, you know, women had it it's like this lightweight type of just way out. He was a lot softer to the women than he was to the men, right? And that's that Mars in the second house in Leo from the moon, second house from the moon as well. So this is a typical way that displacement will play out and that he's going to be kind of like the father figure as far as his manliness is concerned, because Leo is the fatherly figure and Mars is the typical disposition, disposition for a man in his chart. So if you want to see how a man is many times, not always, but many times you can look to Mars to see how that person is going to play it out. And in masculine signs, it keeps some, a lot of its integrity, right? So, you know, this is the show that Mars embodies that manhood for him, right? In Leo. And he felt that this is part of his value system and felt that it was needed to bring that to the table because either one, a lack thereof, or because to a recognition of uh, the importance of it in, in his life and, you know, maybe what was missing at some point. So, you know, again, just going down the line, going right to the next house, you can clearly see that this is the disposition. But one thing he definitely did is loved his mother. Right. Um, and that moon and cancer will always have a strong affinity towards loving your mother. Right. Um, and the mother also loved him very much. Uh, I believe if I'm correct, he bought her a house. Right. Um, then, you know, took care of her. So, you know, goes to show that, you know, despite whatever we may paint him as, uh, he definitely took care of home. Right. In regards to his mother. Um, the next piece that we look at here and we kind of just jump around all the way in my good brother, uh, which is one of a very powerful student I have here in the building, uh, Ra'ab, right? Um, he, uh, pointed out the eighth house and the placements in the Nakshatra, uh, Shastabisha, uh, for, uh, one of the placements in the eighth from the moon. Now the eighth from the moon, right, shows us. What will change or transform or recapitulate or adjust the mind 
what will literally be the kind of um, re-alignment re, re, uh, and the kind of folding inside out of the mind, what those things, what, what, what does that for that individual? And, right. um, you know, one of the things is I can tell you this, he didn't have his father figure in the home. Son and the eighth from the moon, right? Shows a relationship between the mother and the father to a great degree. And so because of this particular distancing, estrangement, which is Aquarius, right? Aquarius can be estrangement, can be a rebel or someone that was, you know, distanced or not fully in play, right? Well, he said he didn't know his father. That, he know uh, of exactly, him, but he didn't know Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Estrangement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know. That shows that there was a frustration there, right? Because the feelings towards the father, right? The feelings towards not having the 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 support from the masculine side. Now he himself, right, definitely had that that, that kind of you know uh, desire to you know emulate manhood, right? But you can you can get. And I'm not saying this about cancer or anything like that in the sense of, you know, femininity, but Moon and Cancer, he did have a... It's emotional. He, did, he, he had an emotional side to him. You know what I mean? Like you can sense there was a sensitivity about him. Let me say that, right? It I've seen him tear up on camera before. I'm sorry, I can hear you. I've seen him tear up on camera before. Exactly. Right, the Mars kind of fought with it and controlled it, but that moon in Cancer definitely, you know, it was there. I mean, yeah, you got to consider the brother was, you know, well dressed, very well put together, um, had colognes I had never heard of, right, and probably would never buy because of the cost (laughs) uh, of those types of colognes. But I mean, the well being self nurturing is what I'm saying, right? Self soothing is moon and cancer as well so the eighth from the moon the sun is one of those trigger is a trigger point right is a point that would switch the conversation would switch his feelings would change the modality change the mood right eighth is houses change moon is mood so what changes the mood what changes the mind is how he feels about his father the other thing we have venus right Venus is there. Now, interestingly enough, right, Venus is what we consider combust. This is not an uncommon feature in charts, people, right? Because Venus can never be more than 48 degrees from the sun anyway. Right. But Venus being combust definitely showed some contention or some frustration with relationships, Right. With being able to trust, right, to being able to feel like there was a um, bond that was unbreakable. You know, the eighth house is breaking things or shattering or re readjusting in eighth from the moon. Right. That was an issue for him. Right. Mars is directly in opposition to Venus by two degrees. Well, no, I'm sorry about. Four, de- uh, four degrees, right? 
So that Mars in opposition to Venus also can show some frustration with the opposite sex. So this is what I'm trying to give you a good, clear conception of someone's inner nature because, you know, Mars in opposition to Venus can be the seesaw between, you know, the frustration of having this masculine, you know, energy in Leo, but having Venus as a trigger point for having possibly been hurt in the past from a long-term committed union. And so because of that, and seeing possibly where we may have, or may he may have even gone wrong, this is where a lot of the conversations would stem from in that change that is triggered by what we consider relationships and long-term committed unions. Now, Saturn is also there, right? And Saturn being in the eighth from the moon means that anytime we talk about, um, you know, things that are um, serious, things that are um, considered um, do or die, things that are considered um, uh, high level importance and also and also considering patience because Mars and Saturn are also in opposition, right? You know, patience is something that he definitely learned, but it took a, an emotional, it was emotionally challenged to come to that realization because that is what changes the mind. Now it is in his own sign, right? In mm -hmm. Aquarius. And it is in Shastabishak, good brother. But because it's in an integral position in its own sign, uh, that would not permit or really enhance drug use, per se. Um, I'm pretty sure Kevin Samuel was, wasn't a major drinker or a uh, participant in narcotics. Um, but um, we know those Red Bulls definitely can be addictive, right? We, my good brother was just talking about, right? Uh, what Red Bulls can do to you. Um, yeah, I can't I, mess with sorry, it. You know, it messes <laughs> with your, your your balance as far as your uh, kidneys are concerned. Yeah, um, I mean, I have my heart beating out of my chest. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, showing this, right, is that, you know, Saturn is with Venus. Um, and, 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 and the thing is, is that in the other chart we were talking about when we actually previously had him, Saturn was in the same, was with Venus as well. Remember, good brother? It was debilitated yeah. with Venus, remember? Right, right. Interesting, right? That they still are together, right? Yeah. Um, and so because they're together, you know, the conversation around relationships was still about marriage. Mm -hmm. So I want women and men to understand that he was serious about being with the opposite sex. Even though he had some 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 issues, some bruises, right, some frustrations, some experiences that, you know, put him into a position, and he said this in his in his podcast previously that you know he's been through some relationships where he kind of woke up per se, right, yeah. and came to this realization about how things are being played out from the side of you know the female role, and some of what he says is true, some of what he says I disagree with. But that's, again, going back in context to older perspectives of how our ancestors really did structure a community and society. But nonetheless, right, this Saturn in the eighth and Venus in the eighth from the moon, right, still was a turn point or a realization. Eighth houses are realizations, you know, um, and again, research, right, 
man did plenty of research in regards to relationships um, and felt the need to do that. So, you know, using this as an ascendant, we can garner a lot of different, a lot of different perspectives of how Kevin Samuels was structured internally. And so he definitely was still one that capitulated and pushed marriage, pushed yeah. long-term committed unions, pushed, you know, you know, getting to the point, you know, how long does it take? You know, why aren't you getting together? What's stopping you? You know, that's Saturn and Venus together. Right. That's what Saturn and Venus together do. Right. They do that. They want to have something that is solid and long term committed to be a part of their life. Right. Despite it being in the eighth house from the moon, where it maybe have caused him some previous you know, um, challenges. Right? This is still part of who he was and how he was built. So you got to understand how he feels about it is very serious. How he feels right. about it is very heart-wrenching, right? It's breaking in the sense that it's the eighth house, so it changes how he would do things in regards to these particular topics. Now, the last piece we can look at, because we've actually touched upon Jupiter from the moon in a Gajakasari position, and this is actually a good Gajakasari position because it's in both signs are in a higher integral moon in Cancer is still very well placed. Right, because it is in its own sign, right? And Jupiter is very well placed in a sign that is a friend to it, which is Mars. So, in the Gajakasari perspective, definitely one where he would make himself known and make himself a major uh, 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 personage in the sense of the world at large, which we saw that he did that overnight, right? Right. But uh, Mercury is in the ninth from the moon. And, you know, Mercury in the ninth from the moon does definitely show uh, one that is uh, strategic in their thinking, right? Strategic in how they feel they need to approach certain matters. And Mercury is also boiling it down, not to truth, but the facts, data, and statistics, right? Right. Um, and that's where he hit home a lot. And a lot of people just can't argue statistics, but statistics doesn't mean truth. It just means facts. Right. right? Conclu you yeah. have the conclusions. Like you can read, you can read a scientific, um, you know, research, um, you know, paper or something like that and see all the data and then be like, all right, that's the conclusion that you came up with that. That's where the person comes in, where, where they make a conclusion, unless they, are simply talking about something that could be analyzed numerically. But if it's anything outside of that, that's where it kind of, you know. <laughs> right. right. We veer from the facts into, you know, our personal usage of those facts. Right. And those personal usages, if you look at it, Venus and Saturn are in the 12th from that particular position. So that yeah. change point or that flash point, right, is that it comes from, the you know resentment to a degree or that you know old kind of you know unhealed perspective that where you know you have the opposition between male and female in his chart from mars and venus being in um you know opposite you know placements so you know that's how you read it from the moon right and i could go in a lot deeper 
you know, but, you know, I think just doing Kevin a general justice because, you know, I want people to understand this is not personal. Destiny is not personal, right? Even in, you know, what Christians quote many times is that God is not a respecter of persons and that it's not personal because we all have a role to play. We all have something to bring to the table, whether it be something that we agree upon or whether something that we may, you know, disagree upon. His role is iconic in the sense, and iconic is also Gaja Kasari. Remember that, right? So that guy, iconic role is the one to have to talk about where we are in black male-female relationships. Where are we going in black male-female relationships and where did we come from? You know, why is it that we're having these these differences and approaches that we, you know, have to come to a uh, reassessment about how to move forward uh, from this point on? So, I, you know, I just want to say to the good brother, you know, uh, you know, definitely, you know, rest in peace, good brother. Uh, get you some rest. Next assignment, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, you won't die the second death. You can pick up where you leave off and, uh, you know, continue the work as far as, you know, really instituting um, the love bond that we should have with one another and, you know, moving not just beyond beyond love, but, you know, responsibility and also having the connection to, you know, build communities and hopefully, you know, nations as well. So, you know, Indeed. Um, we'll leave it at that. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Big up to that. Did want to mention why you're here just for, uh, you know, just a, kind of what we were talking about. Um, how do we feel about his actual ascendant? What we, we, you know, as far as just where we're gauging that at, you know? You know, um, it's tough. <laughs> it's a rough one. Yeah. Um, we were, we were kind of toggling and juggling between uh you know capricorn and aquarius and um interestingly enough right just to kind of even you know mention about what we have is that that k2 definitely still hit you know was is riding up on the fourth from the moon right um and that fourth from the moon it's how you feel about things or how you, you know, process or integrate your emotions or what satiates your emotions. And so he definitely felt unsatiated or incomplete in many ways, right, regarding that moon, that K2 transit from the moon. But in looking at it from a physiological or a actual standpoint of Aries, uh, I mean, excuse me, as, as far as Capricorn, uh, that um, Capricorn seems to fit a little better than what we were talking about because we went back and forth between Aquarius and Capricorn, right? Um, the thing about Capricorn we were talking about is his break from education. And using the Dasha scheme, which is one of the ways we would uh, rectify many ways, but one of the ways we rectify his chart is to see what happened when he, you know, began to take the journey of education and, you know, um, to move in a direction to kind of anchor himself uh, in as far as um, learning uh, from a pro 
from a professional standpoint. And Mercury in Capricorn's ascendant is in the third house, right? Um, from that particular ascendant. In fact, you can see we've got it as already as ascendant as Capricorn. So as soon as he flips it, we'll see, right, that um, lo looking at it from that perspective, when you look at the Dasha scheme, right, you know, Mercury hit in, his, in the 80s. And if you kind of understand age and context, how to use this thing, because Dashas are always, you know, showing us what happens but it's always age age specific. So, you know, at 18 to 21 is generally the time frame when individuals begin their higher or not to say higher education, but their collegiate, um, you know, journey. And um, I was going to say, Mick, we were even talking about that, uh, Rob. We were talking about what it would be. He's going, we definitely got him in Mrigashir, right? I mean, in uh, not making sure. Um, oh, you got making sure. I, I, I got you. But he would actually. We were talking about his ascendant uh, nakshatra, which which would be Dahanishta. I'm I'm quite certain of that. In either perspective, right? I would say Dahanishta um, from the the Capricorn or the Aquarius side. But from the Capricorn side, you see Mercury in the third house. Mercury would have ran its course, again, depending on the time, because we don't have a solid, right in the early 80s, 80, 81-ish, right, is when that Dasha would begin. Now, right. he would have been right around, right, uh, in his early 20s, right, at that point. And if we recall correctly, right, he says that he canceled or stopped or, you know, his educational um, journey was stopped because of illness, because of cancer. Right. Well, a secret to know in this system is that one of the ways we look at things is what's called Bavat Bavam, which is the house derivative system. In the house derivative system, fourth house is education. Right? So the fourth house shows us that, you know, this is where you begin to you know, liberate yourself, right, from the home. Moksha is liberation, right? You change your environment, right? You recapitulate, you're reborn, right? The fourth house is, house is home, but it's also the rebirth from the home simultaneously through the process of education or higher learning, especially in the Western hemisphere. And you can see that at the age when this would have ran, Mercury would have been in the 12th from the 4th. Well, the 12th house from the 4th being the 3rd, Mercury being there, and Mercury is debilitated, it would have broken or excuse me, segued or stopped the educational process. This is why I would peg, I would peg it to be Capricorn more than I would any other, especially considering that Mercury is debilitated, Right. And he had cancer, if I'm correct. And I know um, my good brother here said it was, was it uh, uh, lymphoma? I think it was uh, Hosh either Hoskins, Hoskins or non Hoskins lymphoma. Right. Um, if I remember correctly, he said it was somewhere in his chest. 
chest region, right. right? And the chest region would definitely put mercury in that area of the body, right? Um, and so we would clearly see. I know it's not Sagittarius ascendant. The reason why I know is because the ascendant Lord would be in the fifth from the ascendant, yeah, which more kids would kids would have more children and. It would oh have more than likely finished education, right, in the sense of the word that it wouldn't have challenged or broken the process because the fifth oh, yeah, Lord, especially Jupiter Lord would have been that fifth. fifth. Yeah. And that would have supported him to complete it. You know, fifth house is going to help you complete something because it becomes part of your destiny. Fifth right. house is past life purpurpunya, but it's also something that supports you or literally triangulates your existence. And he himself would have been doing that, so he would have completed his education. So because Jupiter is in the fourth house, right, he had the earnest ex the earnest drive to expand as far as education, but Mercury cut it short because uh Jupiter rules the third in the fourth, and Mercury is in that debilitation zone. So this is where we kind of you know wrestle with you know, between a couple of ascendants, his physiological type definitely supports Capricorn, right? Um, mm -hmm. His overall disposition, demeanor, character, right? It has a smoother kind of disposition. You know, Aquarius could be there to some degree just because, you know, he's a little quirky at first in his earlier years. Um, mm -hmm. You see Kevin Samuels, he's not as smooth as butter. You know, he has some refinement about him. Um, and I can't remember the fella that, says that he kind of told Kevin to grow your gray out, you know. Um, and, I mean, in fact, since uh, my good brother Haru here introduced me to Kevin, you know, he's, cha his, he's, he's changed, right? His whole, you know, his setup changed, right? You know, his whole arrangement changed. So he inspired um, this setup, you know what I mean? When I, like, we, we was, you know, I knew things could be done, but when I came across his setup, I was like, Oh no! I gotta step my game up. You understand what I'm saying? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta put it together because I know how to do this. Why? You know what I mean? Because most everybody else was still just kind of, you know, getting by on doing, you know, their live streaming with the video and stuff like that. And people had really just started. Um, a lot of people had just started doing more live streaming. You understand what I'm saying, or whatnot? And we had just started doing video. Or right. what now You're we right. had just we because we, we, we have been all audio for like what the first three seasons i believe um or at least most of them yeah two and a half so we had just switched over to video and then um i found him just you know just youtube youtube just recommend you know recommended it or whatnot and i, I checked it out and i was like man his setup is dope <laughs> you know yeah, what i'm saying a, like he had a cold setup yeah. right <laughs> so i was like man let's 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 switch it up i know i can get this against this and then within a couple of weeks here we are <laughs> you understand what i'm definitely. saying definitely. so thank you yeah. definitely big ups to that <laughs> yeah. so uh, he's in a venus dasha and he blew up right um venus rules the fifth it's this is this yoga karaka even either way with capricorn or, or aquarius but you know because venus is in the second house right the you know you blow up from speech from talking right from you know um i have another good brother friend of mine his ascendant lord is in the second 
and he's running Adasha and he's, you know, does a lot of, you know, podcasts and, you know, you know, things like that. So whenever you see that second house kind of lit up like that, you know, they're going to have a voice. They're going to have something to say. They're going to have something to kind of convey to the world. Um, albeit, you know, um, he's also very close to his family as well. Right. And the ascended Lord would be in the second house also um, because of the combustion with Venus and Saturn. I mean, yeah, Saturn is combust as well. Right. Um, mm. Then you're going to have that kind of and I'm going to tell you one of the secrets that we can always look to in a chart is whenever Saturn and Sun are conjunct, there are many times issues with the father. That's just a given, right? In any house, right? Um, but because Saturn has the power to, you know, crush Saturn, right? Then that means that at that point, you know, it definitely would, it from birth, create issue, right? And of course, the ninth Lord in the third house also would also support that as well. So, you know, I'm really leaning towards Capricorn Ascendant, very strong propensity, right? Um, Jupiter in the fourth house, supporting the mother, moon in the seventh, showing a relationship that, you know, is very first marriage, right? Um, you know, may have been the one that really kind of triggered some things and put things in motion. And of course, the second marriage, which is the 11th, or which was just the second, right, also can be one to look, be looked upon as one that may have also created or contributed to uh, a major, you know, uh, change in Kevin's life. Um, so, you know, we'll leave it at that, right? I think we kind yeah. of, you know, we've given you some good things to consider. And if you all come up with anything that, you know, and uh, some of our uh, audience members have made some really good suggestions about, you know, some times and ascendance and things like that. So, you know, shoot us out what you think. You know, let us know. We're always open ears to see what the audience and what our our viewership has to say about what you think, because you know, um, you know, we always have the opportunity to learn. And I'm not one to. Let me tell you something. Anybody that says they've mastered astrology, you just give them a real good side eye, because that is the furthest from the truth. There's no way you can master this science in one incarnation, nor probably even three. So, you know, it's always something to learn, always something new to apply, always a different technique, always something to delve into, always research and things that you can come up with, different Just, uh, uh, applications. In fact, one of my students came up with a yoga, right? Um, he came up with his own yoga, right? Um, I, if, I'm, if I recall the yoga, um, uh, a Tawi, we call it the Tawi yoga, right? <laughs> where, you, where you have... Um, um, Venus in, in, in a very powerful placement and also Mercury in a very powerful placement, which produces a uh, left brain, right brain coherence, right? Where, mm -hmm. you know, you have Mercury, the left brain speech, you know, uh, literature, mathematics, and Venus also the creative and artistic side, right? Um, that come to full, full bloom in a chart. It's very rare, right? But it can happen. And so you can even come up with yogas, right, that you can name and manifest. And we call it the Tawi because Tawi, it talks about the unification of the two lands or the two sides of something and having that balance. So, um, it, you know, new just, yogas can be found, right? Evidence of a true 
science, contrary to what some might <laughs> believe. Excellent, excellent point. So yeah, um, you know, definitely let us know what you think, right? And if you have anything that you'd like to share, we're all ears. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Indeed. So with that being said, um, thank you all for tuning into this episode. Apologies for the little, you know, rough patch at the beginning or whatnot. I didn't realize that the screen was blank at first, but we got it all together. So uh, thank you all for letting uh, me know. Uh, Rod, thank you for letting me know that or whatnot. Um, But as usual, um, this episode is brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group, Calaprusha Astrology, and our good people over there on Patreon. Big up to y'all. And, you know, one more good time before we leave. Make sure that you like and subscribe to this channel and hit that notification bell so you can see when we will be live. Um, got a lot of good content coming up and stuff like that. You're going to see this this uh, channel uh, be very, very active. So definitely stay tuned. All right. All right. You got anything you want to say before we out? Oh, till next time. Same time, same channel. Indeed. We're out. Alright. Peace. Peace.